0: And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Well,
1: what's going on, Cape Christian? How you guys doing tonight? Good to see you guys. Hey, my name is Pastor Brandon. I am the high school pastor here. And man, I'm just so excited. Hey, before we get started, let me just tell you about me. I grew up Pentecostal, and this is what that means. I need y'all to talk back to me. I grew up in black church. Like, y'all got to say, amen, that's good, Mm mm-hmm, keep preaching. Like, you all get permission to talk back to me. That sounds good? All right, so listen, the last couple of weeks have been great. Pastor Corey set it off week one. Pastor Chris Harold did amazing in that. I'm just super excited about sharing this word with you today that I believe like God has just placed on my heart that I believe if we just take it and apply it to our lives, it'll truly transform us in the best way possible. But before we get started, like I want you to get to know me a little bit because unless you're between the ages of 14 and 18, we probably never talk because you don't come on Wednesdays. Um, so, man, once again, my name is Brent in homes, and I'm telling you, since the day I've been born, God has had his hand on my life. I truly believe that. The only time he did not is because he made me an ugly baby, and I didn't understand why he would not bless... And people say, oh, like, it's not possible to have ugly babies. Yes, it is true. There are <laughs> ugly babies. If someone just comments on your baby's cute clothing, you probably have the ugly baby. <laughs> But look, God is good. He restores, and I think I'm all right right now. But listen, I'm telling you, he's always, thank you for the claps. I needed all the sympathy. Listen, I'm telling you, since the day I've been born, God has had his hand on my life. And man, he started by granting me incredible, incredible parents. I am the byproduct of Reggie and Lenore Holmes. I think we have a picture on him. Y'all see that? That is peak 90s. I love the shoulder pads, the big glasses, and people are like, you're not ugly. I graduated the toddler stage. That's not baby Brandon. That's toddler Brandon, right? And so let me tell you about my parents. Reggie Holmes, there's so much to say about him. Dedicated. First, not a dad, but a father. Dedicated, focused, loving, caring, driven. But the thing I love about my father the most, he was a man of great faith. He believed Big. He used to always approach me, and say, Brandon, I would tell him my dreams and go, You're not big dream, you're not dreaming big enough, son. You're not dreaming big enough. And he'd always say this: he goes, I want you to dream big and work hard and allow God to do the rest. Yeah. Yeah. And now my mother, Lenora, Lenora Holmes, there's no woman like her. She's a groundbreaker, she's a barrier breaker, she's an entrepreneur. She's incredibly brilliant, incredibly loyal. She doesn't really understand the word no, but that's okay. We won't hold it against her. Let me just give you some, some feedback on like how my mom is. But I remember one time my mom went to bed, woke up the next morning. She said, Reggie, I had a dream, and I believe this is God telling me, oh, I had a dream that we're gonna, we need to start a business. And my father, being the wise man he was, said, you don't understand no, so what are we starting? Uh-huh. <laughs> And so my mom goes on to start this business, and the business was incredibly, incredibly successful. And so it's always interesting, like, when I meet people and they say, where are you from? And I say, Detroit, Michigan, and they say, I'm sorry, and I go, for what? The Detroit you may see on TV and in Detroit I know are not the same places. We lived incredibly different from most of my peers, My lifestyle, the things that were presented in front of me were were just extremely different. Matter of fact, is anybody from the metro Detroit area in this room? Give me a whoop. There we go. I'm going to give you just a few words, and I think you'll understand when I say I lived incredibly different. So if you ask me where I went to school, I just tell you one word. I went to Cranbrook. And he said, ah, he gets it. Google that later if you feel free. It'll give you context. But see, even in the midst of my parents providing this an incredibly great life, there was a period in time where we lost everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. I watched my father cry as everything they worked so desperately hard for seemed to slip away. But the thing that impressed me most about that is even when we seem to have lost everything, My father's faith never wavered. I will watch him, and I don't think he knows this, but I will watch him get up at 5 a.m., and there's this place in Detroit called the temple where it's open 24 hours a day where you can just go pray. I will watch my dad at 5 a.m. get up and put on a full suit, shirt and tie, and go to the temple and pray, and then come back and love on his family and carry on through life. Big faith requires super intentionality with God. And if you allow me today, I would love to guide us to a place to where God wants us to be, which is truly relying on him for everything that we need. So if you go with me, and I'm pretty sure they'll put it on the Bible in the sky, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. And I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I would say if you were there, say amen, but that's why you guys got that Bible. It says this, So when we read that, it's it's hard to really fully accept that because, guys, we are consistently bombarded with stressors. Where am I going to school? Am I going to get the job? Who am I going to marry? Why do my kids never listen? How am I going to pay that bill? So when we read this passage from Jesus, we're like, Jesus, of course it's easy for you to say that, I mean, because your dad is God. And actually, you are God in the human flesh. So, of course, it's easy for you to say that. But here's what God or Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Here's what he wants us to understand, family. Your worries do matter. I'm going to say that again. Jesus wants you to understand your worries do matter. So he's not saying these things don't matter. That's not what he's saying in the passage. What he's trying to tell you is, if I take care of all these things, the flowers, the birds, the lilies, would I not take care of you? Verse 26 says it. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? What the Father is trying to get us to understand is, I don't want those things To consume you. And the world we live in and the stressors we have, we're consistently being consumed. Consumed about what we're going to wear. Consumed about relationships. Consumed about our bank account. Consumed about all of these things. And because you're so consumed, you're consistently under worry when all the Father wants you to understand is, I'm in control and I got it if you trust me. The problem with being consumed is it leads to this major thing that we've experienced in culture, which is anxiety. We can't sleep. We can't eat. We're worried about this. We're worried about that. But the scripture clearly states this in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now it's easy to say that, and I'm sure when I'm saying this from a platform I'm like so easy for you to say that, Mr. Pastor Man, and all that praying you're doing, I'm sure you don't worry. And I'm like, false. Now, I know I'm a good looking young man, but I've been doing this thing for about 13 years, believe it or not. Thirteen years. I've been in full time ministry. And for about the first 10 to 10 and a half, let me tell you, I knew that scripture, but I couldn't live it. I was consumed with status. I was consumed with influence. I was consumed with how can I make more money. Just overly consumed and worried and anxiety about the things, are they going to happen to me? And God's like, but son, why? Brandon, if you truly believe the words in my text, you will realize that I've already have it covered as long as you continuously seek me which made me realize family a lot of the time is it's not that we don't believe God it's because we stop seeking God consistently so the first thing I want you to understand is your worries do matter But to counter that, you have to start seeking God consistently. Notice this in verse 33. He says this. He says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, I want to pivot a word, right? Help you understand it. But seek first his kingdom and relationship, and all these things will be given to you as well. Notice notice this, guys. I want you to notice this. Notice this. He says, seek first my kingdom, then all these things will be added. The problem is we want all the things to be added, and then we'll seek. God, give me the car, then I'll trust you. Give me the promotion, then I'll pray. Give me the wife, and then I'll do the right thing. We want the stuff without the seeking. Because here's the truth that I think we're all afraid of. We know this, or maybe you don't, so I'm gonna let you in on some inside. When you seek them, you get what you need, but normally it's never the way you want it to come out. It never looks the way you intended for it to look. See, when I went to college, my parents, being the great parents that they are, and, you know, we've talked about this through therapy and conversation now, so I'm okay. There's no grudges. (laughs) I get to Oral Roberts University, and before I declare a major, my parents said, listen, you get four choices in your major. We know you, and we know what's going to make you successful so here's what they say. They said, number one, you can do broadcast journalism because you don't know how to stop talking, so you might as well get paid. <laughs> the other two, I don't remember. But the fourth one, I remember vividly because my dad was like, why don't you go pre-med? You're smart, you're intelligent, they make great money. You can fund all my projects. I think it's a great idea. And so I went, of course. I mean, I saw the hot black doctor on Grey's Anatomy. Why would I not want to be that? <laughs> So pre-med is what it was. Till about two years into my studies when God grabbed a hold of my heart and said, Son, the journey you think you're about to go on, I'm calling you to another one. And so I stepped into full time ministry, but I never let go of this thing that God, you just handled this wrong by making me go into ministry. And for eight years, I would be upset because I would see my friends graduate with their degree and they get their internships and they're getting their their residencies and their fellowships. And I'm going, God, that should have been me. And then one day, I'm 28 years old and I'm having a temper tantrum. And God, clear as day, says, Son, you have been mistaken. You thought you were supposed to be a doctor and heal people with medicine. What I called you is to heal people through my word. See, we want what we want, but we're afraid that it's not going to look the way we want it to look like. See, I never thought 11 years ago that my dad would pass away from cancer. And so for years, I dreaded, who am I going to call when I get married? Who am I going to call when I have a kid? Who am I going to call when I need to figure out how to invest my money? in? And God in all his goodness and his amazingness sent people like Corey Willis and Doug Weiss and Darius Daniels and John Gray and Keith Craft and Corey Demmel and Brian Demmel and so many other people to name, but the whole time I'm upset because I want what I want. And God's like, but I told you I'll provide. So let me help some of us that deal with loss. And I feel this. God will provide, but you can't put God-sized expectations on people. So you're frustrated and you have this tension because God is providing, but it's not looking the way you want it to look because God is saying, you'll never get what you need from that person. it can only come from me. So you have to seek me consistently Because I'm the only one That can fill that gap You have to let go of control So I want to remind you Your worries do matter But God also wants you to seek him consistently And God wants you to let go of control See, at the beginning of every year, I do this exercise where I write out like a word of the year that I'm believing is going to be like, I don't really like this word manifest, but so it comes into fruition over the year. And every year is normally like a really good word, accelerate, increase, mountaintop, multiplication. (laughs) It's always a good one. But this year, this was the word God told me to write down. Surrendered obedience. It's not a really fun word when you think about it. And this is what he told me, family, and this this is the point I want you guys to get. He says this the level of obedience you live by determines the level of peace you inherit. I'm gonna say that again. The level of obedience you live by determines the level of peace. You inherit. So when God spoke that word to me, I went back and I I said, Well, let me see what obedience means, because that's a pretty um, strong word. And obedience simply means this I got this from Webster's Dictionary compliance with an order, request, or law, or submission to another's authority. Which shows me this the more you submit, the more you obey. The more you seek the Father, the more you get what you need. Not what you want. Mm -mm. You get what you need. See, I think sometimes you guys view pastors and you just think we kind of got this thing all figured out. You think like, oh, I bet your devotional time is so good every morning. The Holy Spirit must be moving all in your house. You have no problems. It must be so amazing. You and Jesus must talk face to face. Wrong. Because majority of my career, I was hurting. I was hurting. I wanted more money. I wanted more influence. I wanted fame. And here's the crazy part like it was all being given to me, all of it. I sat in green rooms and I met people. If I named them, you guys, were, some of you would be impressed. I could scroll through the call log in my phone right now and I know I can name some names that people would be like, oh my God, you know them? shook the hands of great men, great women, seeing things that I can never imagine in my short span of life. And the whole time, I'm empty. And I remember asking God, like, why does this feel this way? And he goes, son, it's because you're chasing all these things that I do not have designed for you. But if you seek me, the things you need, I'll provide like peace, joy, contentment, happiness, community, love, security. All the things you so desperately need and none of them are tangible. But the only way you find them is if you find me. See, there's this quote that a mentor sent me a couple years ago. It says this. It says, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning on the wrong wall. And so my mentor sends me that. And as I read that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, aren't you glad you got that at 31 and not on your deathbed? And I believe God had this message prepared for tonight because some of us need that wake-up call. We've been placing our ladder on the wrong building, and I'm afraid if we don't figure it out, we're going to wake up at the end of our life and realize it was for nothing, and we missed exactly what we needed. See, we all have this idea of how our future and how our lives are supposed to look. And for me, this is an ongoing journey and battle that I'm walking through. But for me, this journey started like two years ago. So two years ago, I was working for a completely different organization and I'm at this church conference. And so I meet this girl who, if I'm being honest, is just really hot. And I'm like, hey, you, what's up? And so we kind of get to talking and I, I try to like share all these Things about how amazing I am, and she's so not entertained by it. Like, doesn't move her. But I keep trying, and she keeps listening. And eventually, I think I wear her down enough that she becomes my girlfriend, and then we get married. And so I think we have a picture of the girl right there. That's my hot wife right there. Keep that up. I like looking at her. Ooh, I did well. But here's the interesting part. When I met her, we couldn't be more opposite. And I remember as these, like, feelings started to develop, I was like, God, are you sure? Are are you sure? And clear as day, she's exactly what you need. She's exactly what you need. And I'm like, her? Can I be honest? Can I be honest? Y'all okay with me being honest? I was like, was she white, Jesus <laughs> Y'all said I could be honest, man I have nothing against white people I love white people, of course, of course. That clip cannot go viral Pastor doesn't like white people <laughs> No, no, no I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to, you know, black love It's, it's a big thing going on at the, Just, right? But God's like, she's exactly what you need And if I'm going to do some things through you, that's exactly who you need to be with because the things that she brings to the table, it all works in what I'm trying to do. So let me just help some like singles in the room. Before you date somebody, pray about it. Before you marry somebody, pray about it. Some of y'all are already stuck, so you need to pray to work that out. But pray about it. But here's the beauty when I say God gives you exactly what you need when you invite him into every aspect of your life. Because next to my white woman is another beautiful older white woman, um, and that's my mother-in-law, who's single, by the way, if there's some older gentlemen here. Here's the caveat, you gotta have money. We don't take broke people in our family. Um, by her request, she's gonna kill me when she sees this. But that woman, the entire time I'm trying to navigate this, as I'm, do I still stay in ministry with we'll Call and say, "Son, I don't think you should give up yet. I think God has something that He needs you to do in the kingdom, and you need to seek Him." Now I'm done. I'm done. I tried doing the church thing. Son, I think. Matter of fact, I know you need to seek the Father. Because he has something for you He has exactly What you need Patty I'm done And we did this back and forth For months on end But thankfully My mother-in-law Is at times a stubborn woman And let me tell you Why this matters For you to seek the kingdom And to seek what God has for you Because she models it so well And because she sought what God had for her, she ended up in this town of Cape Coral, Florida. She stumbled upon this school, this church in a middle school called Cape Christian Fellowship. Because she sought God, the door opened and she's been on the staff for 20 years. And because she sought God and what He wanted for her life, her faithfulness led me to my purpose. So seeking God isn't just about you, but there's blessings for other people attached to it. Thank you. So it's super important to consistently seek. I'm not saying don't worry. Sometimes those things happen. But in the midst of your worry, are you seeking the Father? Now, you might say, Well, Brandon, this all sounds good. Can you please tell me how I'm supposed to do this? And I get it because I'm a practical guy. So, here are three things that I believe if you do, this helps you navigate seeking the Father. One, you have to always ask yourself, What am I consuming? Do an audit of what you're allowing in your life. Listen, I love Drake. I can sing about every record that man has put out. Kiki, do you love me? This is the older crowd, y'all aren't rocking, that's okay. The 1015's gonna eat that up tomorrow. But in this season of life, I realized I need to eliminate some of these things and spend more time in worship so I can hear from the Father. It's not bad, I just know I needed to do an audit and be proactive about what I'm consuming so it can help me get closer to the Father. I don't need the distraction. So what are you consuming? You have to do an audit of what you're allowing in your, through your mind, through your ears, through your eyes. Number two, so what am I consuming? One, number two, where in my life have I set aside time for God? Is he on the margins or is he in the middle? Pastor Corey gave this wonderful example. You know, when you're in the office and, you know, you need to ask a quick question, what do you, you go, hey, can I steal five minutes of your time? Can I, can, I, can I steal five minutes of your time? And then there's other meetings that you got the Google calendar invite, you hit yes, it sends the notification ten minutes before your meeting, you're like, crap, I forgot about that meeting. Ah. Oh. But that's how we treat God sometimes. God, can I just steal like five minutes? Can I steal a few minutes? Here, let me steal a few minutes. Instead of Properly setting time aside so you can spend it with your Father. And so here at Cape Christian, not too long ago, we started this thing called the 21 Days of Prayer and there'll be right in the lobby and they look like this. Maybe some of you have walked past this book the last couple of weeks. Maybe some of you only got to day two and you forgot to pick it back up. But this is a reminder. Move them from the margins to the middle. Make him the center of everything. So first thing what you're going to do is, what am I consuming? The second thing is, where in my life have I set aside time for God? And the last one is, is this leading me closer to Jesus or further away from him? I weigh every decision in that balance. Every relationship gets weighed in that balance. I don't take a job. I don't take an opportunity. I don't take on friends unless I weigh it in that balance. Everything we do should be leading us closer to him. And guys, I'm going to tell you this, and I promise you I'm landing this plane. It doesn't come without some sacrifice. Y'all gave me permission to be honest, so this is my last honest, transparent thing. See, my mother-in-law's faithfulness, because she consistently sought after God, all that happened, it opened up this opportunity and this door for me to be here. But I almost even messed this up. See, when Pastor Corey and Pastor Bobby, we all met, it went well, it went great, and we loved each other, and we high fived, and um, it was going great, and then they, they sent me the offer letter. And I opened up the email and I said, Oh, that's not adding up, brother. Now, I'm, I'm taking care of well, guys, so don't, don't take it that way. But where I was coming from, I was taking a major pay cut. Major. Big. For me, it's big because I worked hard to get to that place. And I remember laying in my bed and I'm like, "God, I don't. I've worked too hard, and he said this: "If you trust me, I'll give you everything you need. And when I tell you, I've never been more happier, I've never been at more peace, I've never had more joy." The world can have the money. I just want what God has for me. Amen. And I feel like some of us need to rehab really have a revelation about that with God today. You've been seeking for some things. And it's time for you to lay them down. So we're about to enter into this moment. I'm an unorthodox guy. So I like to take some unorthodox approaches. But I do this every Wednesday with our youth. We're about to have what we call a heart check moment so I'm gonna invite our worship team to the stage and here's what's about to happen. I truly believe God wants to meet us here tonight. I believe today really I've been praying about this for weeks there's gonna be a page turner in our lives. And I believe this era of humanity we have lost the discipline of focus. And so I'm gonna invite us to a moment of focus and so what's going to happen is our worship team is going to lead us in a song what i want you to do is sit if you want to stand and worship you can if you want to get on your hands and knees and pray you can if you want to just sit and close your eyes you can but i want to give us a heart moment a moment of focus to connect with the father because some of us have been asking God for an answer. But we haven't given them the time to give it to us. And I believe right now is that moment. So don't worry about the game that's going on. Don't worry about the kids and kids ministry. Don't worry about anything else. For these next three minutes, I just invite you to just allow it to be you and God. Not you, God, and your wife. Not you, God, and your husband. Not you, guiding, Just you and God. And I just truly believe that as we make room for Him, some of us in this room are going to experience something we've so desperately been seeking for. Pastor Desi. Father, we thank you. Lord, as I've been praying for weeks, that I pray that today will be a page turner in our lives, that it will be a refresher, a reminder to seek you first and that you'll provide all we need. Lord, that today will be the day that you will remind us of that, that today will be the day that you remove some of the worries, that you remove some of the stressors. Lord, that you place us right back where you want us to be and that's in your presence. Father, I pray, Lord, that today will be marked in some of our history. That as we look back at this date, we'll remember it as the day that everything changed. So, Lord, we thank you for your greatness and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.